you know, many folks assume that a launch can actually create new demand for a product or service, and that's not really the case. This is Time for Marketing, the marketing podcast that will tell you everything you've missed when you didn't attend the marketing conference. Hello and welcome to the Time for Marketing podcast. My name is Peter and this is episode number seven, where we will talk... Well, before we go into that, two things. Number one... If you like this podcast, please go and subscribe to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcast, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other place where you can f- you find your podcasts. If you like the podcast even more, please go and give us a rating at iTunes or Google or whatever else you like to rate stuff. As said before, we are again going to talk to a person that worked with search engine optimization in the past and is now somewhere else. I'm a big fan of Rand Fishkin, but for the future and the next episodes, you will be able to hear people working on different channels on the in marketing, may that be podcasting, email marketing or user experience. So it's not going to be only search engine optimization and organic traffic. All right, let's go and call Rand Fishkin. Rand Fishkin, hello and welcome to the Time for Marketing podcast. Uh, Rand, you're right now at Spark Toro, probably a person that I wouldn't have to tell a lot about, but you are right now working at Spark Toro. You're one of the founders, and of course, you're one of the founders of Moz.com or SEO Moz, as some of uh, the a bit older would probably know it. Thank you for being here. And how are you doing? How is everything up there in the US? Yeah. Uh... Well, things in the U.S. are a mess, but uh, but I'm doing well, um, and yeah, very very excited to join you, Peter. Spark Toro is your new, not really that new of a project. Briefly, what is all of that about? It's some it's an interesting thing of how we will will be able to research our audiences and know more about uh, the people that we want to talk to. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, we are building an audience intelligence tool, and you're right. SparkToro is is brand new. Uh, it's only been around as a company for four months, and um, we've still got probably six to nine months ahead of us before we have any kind of product ready. But the company so far is going well. It's just me and my co-founder Casey. Um, our goal with it was to help um, marketers and entrepreneurs of all kinds. Uh, discover the publications and people that influence their audience. So we're somewhere between a, uh, a PR database, but for the you know, for the modern era, and a search engine for audience intelligence, so that you can learn more about a given audience that you want to reach and target. Figure out who they're paying attention to, and then decide how you want to reach them, whether that's through you know outreach or messaging or sponsorships or paid placements what have you there are already some um, two tools available on the web page if i remember the right way so people should probably go and try them out and see uh what's going on what you did until now right 
yeah, we built a couple of free tools. They were they were more like side projects um, than anything else. But uh, one is called Trending, and that is to help marketers see what's going on, sort of in the in the marketing world right now in the, in the marketing news space. And it relies on Twitter connections, so you can connect your Twitter account, and then uh, the votes, your votes will start to count. So all the URLs that you tweet will be counted as a vote. Uh, the other tool is called Spark Score, and that's also Twitter centric right now. It's, that's sort of the platform we're starting with, and it um, you can connect a Twitter account and then research your own account or others and sort of see an estimate of the level of reach and influence that your account has. So you might have, you know, for example, I've got four hundred thousand followers, but my reach on Twitter is actually much smaller. Than many people like my wife who have sixty or seventy thousand followers, mm-hmm. and so we we've been trying to estimate, you know, how far does a tweet actually go from a given account? And it turns out that follower numbers are a very poor metric for estimating this. So we tried to build something better. All right, very very excited to see what's gonna happen. So I invited you to this podcast because you were a speaker at Moscon. So one of the conferences you spoke at, the Moscon 2018, of course, in Seattle, Washington. How was the conference? I heard they had bowling, karaoke and other fun stuff. Did you uh, do any karaoke? Are you a karaoke guy? <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. But yeah, they always have a bunch of fun events. I was, um, I was a, a minimal participant this year. I was just there for my talk this time right. around. And the presentation there that you had was titled Why 9 of 10 Marketing Launches Suck and How to Be One of the, of Those That Doesn't. All right, I'll have to learn how to read uh, your title. Very interesting. It's also a topic that is partially covered in your book. Uh, let's mention that too, because I read it. I love it. I uh, think it's very important. Two things that I really liked in that book. Uh, number one, that you speak about how getting VC money is not really always the best for everyone. And of course, you also speak about your personal struggles that you had while being in Moss. So this is one, also one of the topics that is a bit partially covered uh, in the book, right? So how is the book going? Um yeah, quite well, actually. Um, I've been speaking at a lot of events this year, doing a bunch of publicity stuff, and it's been really fun to see how people, you know, like yourself, right, uh, react after reading the book and say, oh, this, you know, this part of the book really resonated with me, or this other part of the book really resonated with me. And it's different for everyone. You know, there's, um, there's folks, <laughs> there's a surprising number of uh, folks in the medical field, you know, doctors and nurses who've read it. And uh, and giving me feedback on which parts you know applied to them and what they found fascinating and useful. There's folks who've read it from the marketing world and of course the startup world and hmm. on the broader hmm. business world and um, and all of them have you know something different in the book that resonates and I I, I really like that. Um, so yeah, exciting to hear that you know obviously the personal struggles that I had was one bit for you and the uh, and the sort of taking money from institutional investors versus you know, self-funding or other funding sources um, resonated as well. And obviously, that's a that's a big change that we've made with SparkToro this time around. I'm not raising institutional money. I raised around from 30, I think it was 35 private investors. So, you know, individuals, uh, angel investors, people in my network, a lot of them are folks who own agencies or work in the marketing world and, and sort of hope to be customers for SparkToro. It's a very different model this time around, and it has different... Um, you know, different sorts of pressures and demands, but I think in a much healthier way than the venture model does. 
Mm, mm, yeah, the uh, end results are probably better for um, people involved or you know, people see the end results in a similar way. That's sort of what I've got from the book. Then I'll ask you to sum up your presentation in the next five minutes, and then I'll come back with a couple of questions. Sure. Yeah, sounds good. So my, my presentation at MozCon, why nine out of 10 marketing launches suck and how to be the one that doesn't, uh, talked about basically how important launches are in the marketing world. And and that includes a few things, right? So marketers are, I think, unfairly, but but it's a reality, unfairly judged on their ability to have a very successful launch. And because of that, launches are extremely important to marketers' careers and to how they're viewed internally at their companies or, or externally as a consultant or an agency. Launches also linger in people's minds much longer than iterative updates, right? So we can remember what the launch of the Tesla is like, even if we are not car people and don't own a Tesla. But it's sort of hard to remember all of the different iterations and updates that Tesla has done along the way, unless you're paying very, very close attention. So launches tend to get outsized energy and, um, and awareness. And for all these reasons, right, launches are, are hugely important, but uh, the vast majority of them don't achieve what their, what their creators are hoping for. And my goal with this presentation was to help people see, hey, what are the handful of things that consistently fail or don't work? And what can, what can marketers do differently in the future? So I talked about one of the big first ones is having the wrong expectations around what a launch can do. And one of the big issues there is that, you know, many folks assume that a launch can actually create new demand for a product or service. And that's not really the case. A, a launch can certainly help serve existing demand. It can draw uh, folks who are already interested in what you're doing to your website or wherever you're launching it, um, but it's very difficult, nearly impossible to, to actually create new demand from a launch. It's also really hard to reach an audience that isn't already primed to receive your message. So if you, you know, if you expect that day one, you're going to announce this big launch and then everything's, you know, all the people who would be interested will find out about it. Uh, that's also folly. You know, you've got to go out there and identify the audiences that are right for this, identify the publications and people that can amplify your message and your launch to reach that audience, and then go execute on that. Second thing about this was that uh, a lot of uh, many, many launches are structured in the wrong kinds of ways, right? So they're set up as, hey, we're going to do you know, either an MVP style launch, which is essentially we're going to build the minimum viable product and then put that out there, or they're structured in, you know, very big company sorts of ways where, you know, the executive team kind of designs the goals and the product. And then there's a, you know, very formal marketing launch process. And the team is judged on whether that, you know, you, whether you hit the success metrics of the execs. And that's not actually, um, that's not a bad thing, right? Neither of those are necessarily bad processes, but they miss out on, um, or they're not the right process for many audiences, for many marketing launches. And unfortunately, they're kind of the only two models that folks are very familiar with. So they, they end up being used. And so I'm, I was suggesting in my presentation that folks consider a third option, which is essentially taking the MVP model and launching that to a private 
audience, a private beta audience, not putting that out publicly, iterating on it internally and preparing your team for the fact that you're going to have you know, potentially additional weeks, many months, even, even a year or more of iteration before you're ready to launch your product and that you wait until the product that you're building is truly superb, exceptional is what I call it. And once it's in that place, once it's in the place where all the people that you're beta testing with love it, can't live without it, then launch because products that are extraordinary tend to get much more attention. Their launches tend to be much better. Last couple of pieces. So one of the big ones is that the wrong team is working on the launch or that the team isn't structured well to get the launch done. And I talked about a number of things related to, you know, how we can build better teams. Well, one of the biggest issues is that I think there's a misconception that people who are great at doing the work are the people that you need to keep on the team. And those who are great culture fits, stylistic fits, you know, uh, work well together with everyone else on the team, but still need to upgrade their, you know, work quality or output, that those are the folks we need to let go. And I, I think that's, that's wrong. My experience has been that what are called soft skills, right, being able to uh, get along well with other people on the team and make them feel good about their work with you and you know be a a strong contributor to a a positive work environment uh, that that those types of soft skills are actually so important and so hard to train for that if you find someone like that someone who's a that great culture fit you should work with them to upgrade their hard skills right whatever that is their you know technical skills their marketing skills their you know hr skills their customer service skills, what, what have you. Those skills are much easier to upgrade, right? I think all of us can reflect in our heads that five years ago, we were not as good at our jobs as we are today. But I'm sure we've all worked with those people who are really hard to get along with, don't do well in team settings, you know, are sort of acerbic and, and grating on everyone else. Everyone dreads going into the meetings with them. Get rid of those people, right? Those, those are the people that we show the door quickly to because upgrading soft skills, even if the hard skills are great, Upgrading soft skills is so much more difficult, next to impossible. And I, I think that we can do a lot better uh, with the teams that we built. The last and final piece uh, of the presentation was talking about how so many launches lack a good story. And stories are what we remember. Stories help us associate products and companies and people and launches with emotion. And it's that emotional resonance that sticks in our head. And unfortunately, far too few marketers, uh, far too few entrepreneurs make their launch a story. And, uh, and I talked about you know, how story structure flows and works, which you know, would take a while to get into here. But basic thing there is that if you can create a story with emotional resonance for your audience, your launch will be vastly more successful. So hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's helpful to to folks who listen to your podcast and yeah I, whatever questions you have I, I would welcome love to chat. Thank you. Yeah, that was really interesting actually. I especially like the idea of, of course how we shouldn't be using the MVP or how that shouldn't be the default setting to go to. So in some way I'm not. It's I'm, I understand it's not completely as you want to say it, but was launching Gmail something that you would say it's a good way to do it in a way of it wasn't really open to everyone with the invitations and all of that, and it's slowly open to new people so they were probably able to iron out stuff or would you wait even longer and really really make it 
to past. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure you remember Gmail being launched, right? No, I think I think Gmail was actually really well done. It was used internally for, gosh, I want to say, was it nine months or, or maybe even longer? Maybe it was something ridiculous, like 18 months or something inside of Google. It was being used. And it was only once that team, you know, everyone at Google loved it, didn't want to use anything else, didn't want to go back to their other mail clients, et cetera. Uh, it was only at that time that they started doing the private invitations. And then once people were in, once they saw that people were incredibly excited, you know, over the moon for it, desperate to get more invitations, then they started opening that up. I think that was a really smart way to play software-based consumer product, and of course from a, from a very large company. So I, I give Gmail full props for how they rolled out. And are you already with Spark Toro? Are you already in the private MVP phase, or no. are you not there yet? Yeah, probably probably at least another six months before we before we have anything uh, anything at all. It's just a lot of a lot of work to build the entity graph and all the natural language processing to be able to do what we want to do. To go to a different question, are you sure that good stories are not really used? I sometimes feel that um, a lot of launches have only a good story and not really a lot uh, to back up that story. Um, or maybe... So I, I, I think what it is, Peter, I think it's that we remember the stories, right? And so the ones that have a good story, even if they don't have something behind it, those are the ones that stick in our brain and we remember and recall them. And I think there's so many launches that don't even have that story, even if they have the material to back it up. Mm. So yes, I agree with you. There's plenty of launches that are just a story, right? I think you could argue that something like Theranos was always just a story and the product was never there to back it up. But we remember it because it was a very, very compelling story, mm. right? Mm. It was an exciting story. Um, and I think that those there's a lot to learn from that for the folks who don't who craft marketing launches that just don't resonate at all that no one even thinks about it all right and of course soft skills and culture fit i sort of feel that we've been talking about this for a while but it hasn't really stuck in or at the end of the day it still does the person know how to do stuff uh but these soft skills are still later ignored even though we had uh, we as companies that i was able to work with sort of uh, pretend that this is important but then it sort of gets forgotten in the process of getting people on board so uh, yeah uh, this is something that should be very or even more important yeah all right i think that's it we're at 19 minutes so that's very nice Before I let you go, where can people find you and what are the next conferences where people will be able to uh, hear, listen to you? Yeah, so I will be at, uh, I'll be in Salt Lake City in a couple of weeks here in August uh, for the digital marketing conference there in Salt Lake City. And then in early September, I will be in Boston for the inbound conference from HubSpot uh, and I think I'm going to be at Brighton SEO in the UK uh, in late September. So definitely look for, forward to seeing folks at uh, any and all of those. And you can find me online anytime I'm at Randfish on Twitter, which is where I'm most active. Uh, and of course, on sparktoro.com, where we've got a blog and a bunch of other resources uh, that we've been putting out. So, yeah. All right. Excellent. I'll, you're the third person in a row on the Uh, on this podcast that said that it's going to be in Brighton and my answer was uh, I'll come and uh, introduce myself there and maybe awesome. get a beer with you. Yeah, I look forward Excellent. to it. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you very much, Rand Fishkin. It was a great honor having you here. Yeah, that's it. You should probably say goodbye. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Peter. Take care.